Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson. So glad to have you here with us on another great episode here of Locked On Blue Devils. On this Wednesday, we're going to spend some time talking about the Duke football team. What has impressed us through the first two weeks of the season. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and review. We'll give five-star Friday shout-outs on the podcast for folks who leave us those great reviews. That's coming up a little bit later in the week. Also, make sure that you subscribe on YouTube to watch the show daily. We have had over 500 subscribers at this point on YouTube, which we are really grateful for that. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils, and you can follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Today's guest on the program, he's back. My good pal Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated joins us on the program here today. Connor, we're talking about a Duke football team that is 2-0 to start the season as we get set for your second appearance here on the podcast. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm caught up with uh, how many games Mike Elko's coached at Duke now. So. <laughs> there you go. I don't, if, I don't know if you'll have me on for all twelve or thirteen if, if he gets that. <laughs> but uh, it's good to be caught up with him at this point, though. Absolutely, it's been fun to watch football. Right, we talked about that right before the season got going. That now we didn't have to have uh, much speculation on what we would see, and now we actually have a product to see. We've seen two games for Duke football at this point. So let's talk about the offense, the defense, and some major takeaways at the end of the program here. So offensively with any football team, I think typically you start at the quarterback position. That was the big question mark going into the year. And from my perspective, I walk away really impressed with what we've seen from Riley Leonard through these first two starts of the year. Yeah, he's had two really strong days. Um, With with – Saturday went, it's kind of forget how good he was early because the offense bogged down in the second quarter and then the third quarter, you know, he threw a nice ball to Eli Pankle, maybe a little behind him in the end zone and just kind of a freak play where it goes through Eli's hands, bounces off his helmet, and all of a sudden it's an interception in the end zone, which, I mean, those are backbreaking plays, but it's not exactly something Riley did wrong. Um, So, yeah, Riley, you know, it's – it's interesting. Like I, I've kind of had the a long-standing theory that what the the perception of a quarterback battle makes everybody think that your quarterback situation is terrible if you have a battle because you don't have that that one guy that stud who's gonna you know be your fifth-year player and your three-year, four-year starter. Um, but a lot of times, those guys that emerge from competitions, like they've been competing for a month. They're already kind of in game mode. They're ramped up. They're uh, when they're able to kind of carry their competitiveness into the season. They're able to to hit the ground running. So, so I think that's where Riley has come from. Where, you know, he, technically he had a start last year. Uh, it was an injury. It was like it was basically a spot start to use the baseball term. Yeah. Uh, for Gunnar Holmberg when he was hurt. So I think of him as a first time starter. And 
you know, he's he's two and zero, and he's looked great in in both starts. Uh, I don't I don't think you can ask for much more out of him. And we're seeing them spread the football to a lot of his different targets. Jalen Calhoun, dynamic as we expected from what we saw a year ago. You mentioned Eli Panko and the play that he's had uh, an 81 yard pass reception this past Saturday against Northwestern. And then Jordan Moore transitioning over to wide receiver. What performance we've seen so far from Moore at that wideout spot? Yeah, he, I mean, this is, I lose track of, of the, of the calendar at this point of the year, but this is like three or four weeks of playing quarterback for, or playing receiver for Jordan Moore. Uh, if he's this good and he's making catches like the one he had in the back of the end zone, which I think he got both feet down. That's a catch on Sundays and Mondays, as much as it's a catch on Saturdays. That's just an incredible athlete. And it's always fun to, to know that you're not uh, getting fed lines of, of kind of bull crap. And not that I had a reason to think that we were, but, you know, Coach Elko and the staff made it really clear that, like, Jordan Moore is such a good athlete that we have to get him on the field. He's going to be in the game plan. Uh, if if he wins the quarterback battle, he's obviously our starting quarterback. If he doesn't win the quarterback battle, he's not just going to stand on the sideline with a clipboard and only enter the game if Riley gets knocked out in, you know, last year, like he was in the, the Wildcat packages and everybody in the knew that he was going to run the ball 90% of the time that he was in the game. Like you couldn't you couldn't do that with him. So the coaching staff kind of told us and and we're up front about yeah, that kid is going to be involved. He's going to get the ball and you've seen it. Like he he is involved and he gets the ball. He is a legitimate slot receiver and he's I mean, he's every bit as good as most ACC slot receivers. Which has been fun to watch. I mean, and credit to Jordan Moore for putting the work in, for developing the way that he has at that wideout spot. That's terrific, and it's something that this offense is going to need more of as they continue throughout the schedule uh, before they jump into ACC competition. That's going to be big for the Blue Devils there. We've seen a running back by committee approach from Duke. I think the offensive line has been a solid unit so far for the Blue Devils as well. Definitely want to make sure we talk about the defense, and we're going to do that here in just a moment on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. Locked On Blue Devils here today is brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports information this season. Find all the latest football developments, game matchup news, and podcasts, including all the games taking place in both the NFL and college football. Bet Online is also your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Moving forward here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils, I'm JJ Jackson alongside Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated. And Connor, we talked offense. Now let's talk defense. This is a unit that Mike Elko uh, takes pride in, had a really long career as a successful defensive coordinator. And I joked after week one, when Duke shut out Temple, that's a really good start defensively to not allow an opponent to put up any points. We knew, obviously, that trend was not going to be able to continue the entire season. But two weeks into the year, talk to me about this Duke defense. Yeah, I, uh, I had fun after the Temple game. I asked Mike if 
you know, like 100, I think Temple had like 172 yards offensively. Uh, they pitched the shutout, and I was just kind of like, Mike, isn't isn't that a really high bar to set for your <laughs> defensive guy? And he's joked with us a lot about yeah. how there's this perception that, you know, when, when a defensive coordinator gets hired as a head coach, they only want their scores to be 17 to 10 wins. Like the, the defensive coordinators always want to see those low scoring games. And he, he's joked about it. He knows that sometimes they're going to need to win games in the 30s and the 40s. So they cracked a little bit in the second half. Uh, I, I don't think that's too blunt of a thing to point out. Like sure. they gave up some drives. They gave up some chunk plays. They had a lot of difficulty covering Evan Hall out of the backfield. Uh, he's an NFL running back, but you know you, you can you can give him a lot of credit, but also say that Duke is going to face other running backs in the ACC that can catch the ball out of the backfield and make things happen. So that's something they need to get shored up and addressed. And uh, the other the the concern there would be also the snap counts. Like they had some really high snap counts and. When the other when the other team runs a hundred plays, you're going to get snap counts up in the 90s and 80s. But yeah, Shaka like Shaka Hayward played 95 snaps, and so they're going to want to take the take the pressure off those guys. And that's that's the benefit of of timing it with the FCS game coming this weekend. But on the whole, like I'm not I'm realizing I'm getting a little negative here. They're they're really good. They're and based on what they're coming from, based on what you know, these are they've got a lot of new guys on that side, but they've also got some guys that were around for last year and some guys in key spots last year that were part of a defense that gave up more yards than anybody in the country. Um, gave up got so many points. I mean, Louisville scored what 62 in that penultimate game last season, and then Miami just kind of waltzed their way to scoring 45 or 47 in that last game. I mean, the defense was atrocious last year. I, I don't think. Anybody is going to argue yeah. that. And so to see guys like Shaka Hayward, Dorian Mausi, uh, Dwayne Carter, Jamie on Franklin, to see them step up and to see them be as good as they've been, you kind of know that, okay, last year might have been more scheme-based. Last year might have been just wearing down through the course of a the season. These guys have talent if, if they're put in the right spots if they've got the right strength and conditioning build up through the summer, yeah, they can be good football players and and they can really lead a Duke defense that can kind of, kind of do some things against, you know, we'll see where Northwestern's offense is at the end of the year, but, and, and we'll see if Duke's defense is able to keep playing the way they've been, but it's, it's a really solid start for a unit that had to come a long way in the last nine months. And, Connor, I'm really glad you talked about, obviously, what, what Duke has done defensively through the first two weeks and gave Duke credit to Shaka Hayward and Moosey in the uh, linebacker room. The defensive linemen have certainly been impressive for Duke as well. But I want to commend the secondary because that was a major okay. question mark coming into the season. And the snap counts, I hadn't even thought about it from that perspective. I was simply looking at the fact that on Saturday against Northwestern, Helensky attempts 60 passes in that football game. Last year, the most he ever attempted was 39 against Nebraska. So a major jump even in what he's typically been asked to do in his college career. 60 passes defended. That takes some energy and some effort out there. And uh, the, the secondary kept getting after it. Yeah, I mean, 
you know, Brandon Johnson was on the team last year. I think he played less than 100 snaps. Uh, Chandler Rivers is a freshman who comes in. Darius Joyner is a sixth-year college guy, but he's never played P5 football. He's yeah. He was at Jacksonville State, and he was at Western Illinois for a year. Um, Jalen Stinson is kind of the one guy back there who played a lot for Duke last year. And he's the one that pops the ball out from Hall at the goal line to, to really preserve the win. Um, that secondary has come a long way. Uh, they've come a long way since the spring. I mean, there were, there was a lot of mixing and matching back there. Uh, we had a parameter of, of the open practices was that we couldn't report on depth chart uh, news and, and kind of movement. <clears throat> and, you know, some positions like you could tell, like, you know, we couldn't say that Riley Leonard, uh, was running with the first team for, right. for the end of camp. Some other positions like the secondary, even if I wanted to, I couldn't tell you, uh, <laughs> who, who was a first teamer and who was a second teamer. Cause they were mixing and matching and plugging so many different combinations Right. It was just impossible to tell who who your guys were. So they've really gelled that that group together. Uh, it's a lot of credit to not only Coach Elko and, and Rob Smith, the defensive coordinator, but Lyle Hemphill, the safeties coach who came over from Wake Forest. Uh, Ishmael, I'll probably butcher the pronunciation of this, and I'm sorry for that. Uh, Aristide uh, is the cornerbacks coach. It's really interesting to watch those two position coaches because Lyle, I, I've covered Lyle at Wake. Lyle is is very underspoken. Uh, he's more of a, when he talks, it's not going to be crushing you. It's not going to be yelling at you and getting in your face. It's going to be kind of like, hey, you know, that was a missed assignment. What were you seeing? <laughs> uh, and if you tell him the wrong thing, it's going to be, well, well, that's wrong. And this is why right. it's wrong. And this is a teachable moment. Uh, Ish is kind of the opposite. Ish throughout fall camp was kind of loud. I, I would say he's one of the three loudest coaches on Duke's practice fields. Um, he would let players know when they did well and when they didn't do well. So it's interesting to see the balance of that. It's interesting to see the secondary come together as they have. I think Darius Joyner is, is a really good leader. Uh, it's a shame that Duke only has him for the one year. But you need guys like that when you're building a program to, to kind of set the foundation and teach the younger guys how to be that type of player when they're older. So I think he deserves a lot of credit there. I think Jalen Stinson is, is coming along as a football player. Like he is, I mean, that's, that was just such a heady play at the goal line. Uh, it, it might look like a fluke, but it's right place. It's right time. It's, it's maximum effort on the 100th play of the game. Uh, he was one of the guys that was above 90 for his snap count. So that's just such an encouraging thing to see. Um, yeah, you're you're on it with with praising the secondary. I mean, those guys, I mean, you know, it's a lot of new guys. It's a lot of guys that were around last year and didn't play much. And they've been really good so far. It's been fun to watch. It's a fun unit, and uh, we'll see some success, I'm sure, on Saturday because North Carolina A&T is your next opponent then you jump back into Power 5 competition, taking on a very surprising 2-0 team in Kansas. Uh, and we'll see what else can happen for Duke as they jump in to ACC play. Let's wrap up our conversation here in just a moment on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. 
Make sure that your second listen of the day is Locked On ACC. You can get more on the Atlantic Coast Conference by making Locked On ACC your second listen every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and also on YouTube. As host Candace Cooper and the local experts like myself of Locked On take you across the conference in 30 minutes. Make sure that you make Locked On ACC your second listen. Locked On ACC, available wherever you get your podcasts. As we start to wind down here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils, I'm JJ Jackson alongside Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated. Connor, if you will, devilsillustrated.com. People put that into their search engines. Uh, what can they expect to find at your website? Yeah, you can pop open uh, the lead story um, from yesterday's press conferences from Mike Elko talking about how, you know, the, the cliche goes in football. Uh, you're never as good as it appears when you win. You're never as bad as it appears when you lose. And obviously the former applies to, to Duke at this point, 2-0. Um, there's a balance there. Uh, and, and that's what I wrote about. It's just a balance between these guys have been through some things. Uh, it's not like they were winless last year, but they didn't experience much success. You want them to be happy at 2-0, and but you also don't want them to get complacent. You want them to realize, like, we have to stay focused. We can't come off of this big road win against a Big Ten team and come lay an egg against an in-state FCS opponent. So uh, you'll find that story. You'll find, a, you know, two stories off of the game on, uh, on Saturday. I wrote a, a subscriber-only story that really lays out how every um, – element of duke's acronym that grind g-r-i-n-d was on on full display uh i went back and read and listened to the introduction press conference from mike elko back in december to fully define what he what the vision was then and how it applied uh throughout the throughout the game against northwestern so it's really good stuff um i'm not the best at selling myself but I think it's good coverage, and I, I think uh, Duke fans would appreciate it. And I think Bo appreciates it. He's getting a little antsy behind me. <laughs> yeah, that's why folks need to watch us on YouTube so they can see uh, your dog Bo pop up every now and again here on the program. He's definitely a big fan of your work. I am as well. Again, make sure that you join the Devils Illustrated community. Very grateful when Connor O'Neill takes time to join us. And I'm glad you pointed out what Elko said after the first two weeks of the season, because that's kind of how I wanted to wrap up our conversation, right? Duke is 2-0 and on the year, yet there are still certain things that this football team needs to address and be aware of. There are also 0-2 teams across college football right now that you want to literally hit the panic button every single day and moment, but need to understand there are also things that are a little bit better about your football team uh, than might be than you might want to initially admit. So Duke being on the two and O side of things, uh, this football team still work to be done, and it is I, I guess a positive thing that going into the third week of the season, you are playing an opponent in North Carolina A and T that you are such a mighty favorite again. Now's where effort, motivation, everything comes into factor to see if Duke can use this as a learning experience and uh, an opportunity to get some guys some reps. Yeah, this is one where I, I think you look at it, you never want to play things too far ahead in advance, but I think Duke's staff looks at this game and says, let's get off to another hot start, right? I mean, 24 nothing against Temple and 21 nothing against uh, Northwestern. 
And now you're playing a team that at least theoretically, like with, with 20 some fewer scholarships is not going to be on their level uh, later in the game. So you want another hot start and then you want to be able to work in your guys. You want to be able to throw some depth guys in there, throw some twos and threes out there and see if those guys can be counted on for more snaps. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to write something here in the next day or two about the defensive snap counts and, Mike had a really good and and insightful uh, answer when I asked about that, and he just kind of laid out how it was a weird game, and and they didn't want they obviously didn't want Shaka Hayward out there for ninety some snaps. They didn't want Mausi out there for as many snaps, but it was just something that played out over the course of the game. Uh, you certainly don't want that to play out against A and T. I think Duke's coaches can kind of get their attention with also pointing out. And and Mike brought this up. I had actually forgotten it. You know, last year A and T took the opening drive of the game against Duke and went twenty plays and marched down the field for a touchdown drive. Um, you you, you can't have that happen. Like you can't you can't be a a good you can't be where your program wants to be if you're letting FCS teams do that to you. So getting off to a hot start, playing a lot of guys, uh, and then you know staying healthy all the all the normal things that come don't 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 get sloppy with turnovers um make sure you're tackling like that was another big thing duke had according to pro football focus it was uh six missed tackles in 59 snaps against temple and that number jumped up to 15 missed tackles against and in 100 snaps against northwestern so you're going to want to clean up the tackling Uh, obviously the the level of opponent increased so you should be better tackling in this game. Um, and that'll be really important for Kansas because the, you know, it's, what is it, like the champions classic of the gridiron <laughs> exactly. to get together in football. So exactly. uh, Duke will have to be better tackling moving into that game. That's a That's a big thing to keep an eye on this week. Duke football getting set to take on North Carolina A&T on Saturday from inside Wallace Wade Stadium. Make sure that you are following Connor O'Neill on Twitter at Connor O'Neill underscore D-I. And also go to devilsillustrated.com for all of his amazing Duke football coverage. Basketball season right around the corner, and we are going to have plentiful amounts of conversation with Connor in the days and weeks to come. Thank you so much for the time today. We'll be sure to do this again sometime soon, okay? Thanks, JJ, and thanks for the reminder the basketball season's coming up. I, uh, <laughs> man, I get It'll into this rhythm. With, I get into this rhythm with football season, and then the basketball just approaches like a ship in the night and, and crushes me every year. <laughs> that is the state in which we live, the state of North <laughs> Carolina loving their hoops. So, uh, Connor, be well, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, JJ. That's Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated, and he's joining us on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. Thank you so much for your support. As always, be sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. That's going to do it for another episode of the program. Again, make sure that you subscribe on YouTube as well to watch the show daily. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.